You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Everybody stretch your hands out and uh, say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healings, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved. I am God's servant, and I'm God's powerful champion. Because I am blessed. I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. The message that we're going to give today is a message of hope because that's the title of our, of our talk for today. It's called Hope. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The first person that's going to bless us with a powerful message and the Word of God, I want you to welcome right now, please, Brother Bo Sanchez. Hi, everybody. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me at the feast. I am so, so privileged. This is my joy that, you know, I'm able to serve you. And I pray, I'm praying for you that this series that we're going to enter into, very special series, God knows what you need. He knows what you need to hear, so I'm praying that you're going to hear it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Our one big message for today is this. I hope you're listening. Love is on the way. And I'm praying right now that love is on the way in your direction right now. Where does that come from? Let me me breathe, okay? (sighs) Because this is going to be difficult. Ah... That one big message is my reflection on the passing away of a dear, beloved friend, Father Michael LaGuardia. We we honored him last week, and I just want to tell you one story about him. Yes, yes, my my heart is still grieving. Um, Can you imagine he was only 56 years old, so too young, too sudden, like, like we, we were just messaging him, you know, a few days before that and so on. And then all of a sudden, but anyway, um, so yes, every time I think of him, I'm sad. I'm very sad. But there are these beautiful moments where I smile. And the reason is this. I remember how much he loved us and how he loved me because he is so personal in his love. Uh, Mike Vinyas, one of our preachers, he posted this about Father Mike. He said, you know, akala ko ako lang special. You know, because Father Michael makes you feel like, like he loves you and you're, you're special to him. And he says, akala ko ako lang ang close sa'yo, yung pala lahat ng tao. <laughs> Which is an amazing, amazing gift. But anyway, anyway. Um, I was sick with COVID. And then I, I was recovering. You know what Father Michael would do? He would visit me to give me communion. And I would, 
I would, I'm telling you, um, I would tell him, I would tell him, you know, my wife would tell him, Father Mike, you know, nakakahiya, you know, you're, you must be very busy. And then he's, he would say these words. He would say, it's on the way. It's okay. You're on the way, you know. And that struck me as saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Can I share with you what he does? He said, he was, he, he, he's supposed to visit his mom. Now, I want you to think about this graphically. Father Michael is here, lives in Bikutan. We're here in Sukat, in Paranaque. And Father Michael's mom is in Mandaluyong. Okay? So, <laughs> and so when he said, oh, it's okay, it's on the way. You're on the way. It's like, uh... Father, I know you're a brilliant man. You're a great theologian. You're an amazing Bible teacher. But right now, your logic is failing you because I'm not on the way. You know, you're here already in the middle. All you have to do is turn right. And then, no, what he does is go whoop. And then, and that's when I was, that, that's, that's my reflection to you. That if you love a person, you're always on the way. Because love is always on the way. And the reason why I share that with you is because I really believe that when I think about Father Michael and, and the way he loves, you know, he, he lived a short life. 56 is a short, short, short life. But the more I reflect on his life, the more I realize it's not how long, it's not how short your life is. It's how much you loved. Friend, at the end of your life, you will not be remembered by your wealth, by how nice your clothes are, by the great trophies that you have in your shelves. You're not going to be remembered by your eloquence. You will not be remembered by, by the, 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 whoa, you, you've got so many achievements and you've got so many skills. and you, you will be remembered by how much love you gave. And so this is our reading for today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go right in and I'm going to be praying that, that God's word blesses you. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. It's in Mark and it's in chapter 5. We start with verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. I want you to know, just a little comment, that this was the ruler of the synagogue. And, and in the Gospels, generally, they were against Jesus. You know, the, the Jewish leaders, they, they, they didn't like Jesus. But you know, when you have a need and you love this little daughter of yours, you know, you, 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 all of a sudden you have humility. <laughs> and I, I really believe that sometimes God allows, not sometimes, many times, God just allows us to have this desperation, this need in our lives because it forces us to be humble and it forces us to open our eyes and to say, oh, I need to go to God. Anyway, here we go. Um, Jesus went with him. So Jesus said, yes. And all the people followed crowding around him. A woman in the crowd 
had suffered for 12 years. So this is another woman, another person, I'm sorry, with constant bleeding. So 12 years with constant bleeding. I want you to know she's a symbol of Israel because in Israel, in Jerusalem, specifically in the Jerusalem temple, there would be this ongoing flow of blood from the animal sacrifices. And because she, she it says here that she suffered for 12 years, that is a, like a, a wink from the author that she represents the 12 tribes of Israel. But anyway, uh, we need to dive in and continue. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay for, to pay them, but she had gotten no better, okay? So there was again, desperation. Just like Jairus, she was also desperate. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. I love, love, love this story because Jesus did not call to her, did not single her out and say, hey, you, you need healing, come. No, it was this woman going to Jesus, telling us that right now, if you have a need for Jesus, his heart is open, his, his love is open, his house is open, his arms is open, you approach him and receive what you need. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him, from him. So he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my robe? Again, I love this. I love this because it's the availability of grace that's in front of us. That all we have to do is approach him and receive that grace. His disciples said to him, look at this, this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? Which, which, Gives me another reflection. Everyone was touching him. So many people were touching him. But only one woman received grace and healing because she believed, she trusted, and she touched him as an expression of that trust. Do you trust in God? Do you believe that God is there in your life right now? Wanting to bless you. Here we go. Ah. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And when he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, uh, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and would let, wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw this commotion, weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? This child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, hold, holding her hand. He said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old, uh, 12 years old, you see that? 
Okay, same, 12 bleeding, 12, okay. Immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone who had, what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. I want you to, to think about the new Israel. Um, yes, being resurrected. And then Jesus saying, give them something to eat because Jesus, the bread of life. So all of these things, I'm not going to go into that except to bring you into this, into this truth. Um, Jesus, it's like a sandwich story, right? Jairus asking for help, but in between, you've got this woman who, quote unquote, was an interruption. An interruption. You know, you had a plan, you're supposed to go to this, the daughter, to the house of Jairus, but in between, someone comes along and love is on the way. It, it's, it's not logical. There are times in your life where God calls you to love someone and it's not logical. Like, why? You know, what's the benefit for me? What's in it for me? You, you know, people say that that's what, what, what you drives and motivates all our actions. What's in it for me? If there's something for me, then I'll do it. But love goes out of your way. You do something illogical. God's love, it's on the way. It's coming to you. He loves you but he's also inviting you. Can you make his love make you go out of your way to love the people he sends you to? God bless you. All real love must be pastoral. And pastoral love means to notice. Jesus always noticed those that nobody else did, especially the woman with hemorrhages. Nobody would go near her. She was called unclean by everyone. Certainly no one would want to marry her. And she needed love. She needed compassion. She needed cleansing. And Jesus immediately sensed that about her and responded. And power went out from him. And she was healed, lovable, forgivable, redeemable. You and I are called to disciple others. We often hear that term, to disciple others. What does that mean? It means, first of all, to make a friend, then be a friend, and finally introduce that friend to Jesus. Make a friend? That means you make the first move. Look for someone that at work or at school or in your barangay, nobody bothers with, nobody invites, and invite them for a cup of coffee. So make a friend. And then secondly, be a friend. In other words, you're not evangelizing right away. You're walking your talk. You're making a commitment to stick with them. And finally, when the grace of God and the Holy Spirit moves within you, you'll introduce that friend to Jesus, perhaps by way of the feast. A way that I've seen that done is at a parish in Quezon City, Immaculate Conception Parish. Father Oligar, Father Tony Oligar, was pastor there about two years. And it came time for Holy Week. And in Holy Week, you have to choose 12 men to be the apostles who would have their feet washed. Now, normally what most pastors do is they usually appoint somebody like the Eucharistic ministers or the ushers or those who are involved in parish activities, and they would, of course, show up and with their feet thoroughly washed already, they would have their feet washed. But instead of that, Father Tony did something radical, something that I've never heard done anywhere. He said to his pastoral assistant, Kaloy, he said, I want you to go out into the barangay and I want you to find 12 men. They must be alcoholics, 
drug addicts, gamblers, look for a few that have tattoos, and you tell them that Father Tony wants them to be one of the 12 apostles on Holy Thursday to have their feet washed. And so Kaloy found 12. And they all said yes, and they made a commitment to go to the meeting at which there would be a rehearsal. When they showed up at the meeting in the parish hall, it wasn't coffee and donuts. Father put out a beautiful Filipino spread, all catered, and they were stunned by that. And they sat down and they had a wonderful time with Father. And he went to each one of them and talked to them. And then after that was over, he said, turn your chairs outward. And Kaloy brought in this big basin full of soapy water. And he said, take off your sandals. They were shocked, but they took them off. And he went out around to each one of these men. And their feet were grimy, they were oily, they were dirty, and he washed them thoroughly. And then he got up and he said, that's what we're going to do next Thursday. But what I've just done, I want you to know I'm your pastor. And I want you in this church. Sure enough, the people are amazed at them when they were there that following Thursday. And they call themselves Capitiran C. San Jose, the Brotherhood of St. Joseph. And that group, amazingly enough, I was told that some of them became entrepreneurs and got very wealthy. All of them off gambling, off drugs, off alcohol. And that group of 12 apostles are now over 100 members of the Brotherhood. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around are warmed up by its glowing. That is how, that's how it is with God's love. And so you are invited to disciple others with pastoral love. How do you do that? By calling them home, by being with them, by surprising them. You know, St. James tells us that if we do that, if we bring only one person home, that it covers a multitude of our own sins. And so I say to you, Disciple each others, others with pastoral love. Make a friend. Be a friend. And introduce that friend to, your, to the feast and your friend, Jesus. God bless. Second element of love. Love is personal. I noticed in the Bible story that the two main characters with Jesus are Jairus and the bleeding woman. One person is named, one is unnamed. Both Jesus recognizes the big people, the small people. He knows us personally. He knows us. He knows everything that we need. When we say love is personal, we open up our lives, the doors of our lives to those we love. No holding back. We we make them come in. It's like a visitor in our house and they can feel at home, they can dine, they can watch TV, they can lounge around, enjoy the comforts of home, sometimes even do an overnight. It's just, they're part of our home. They're welcome in. And we share our, our dreams, hopes, pains, joys to those we love. No holding back. We make them part of our lives forever. Panghabang buhay. Father Michael, 
spiritual formator, mass presider of the feast, dean and president of the Don Bosco School of Theology. He is a professor there. Big and heavy credentials for Father Michael Laguardia. Those who know him personally, we know that he doesn't wear those badges when he's with people. I get to hear stories now from so many people, so many testimonials, how even in the small things, he remembers names. <laughs> he replies to the messages of people, no matter how busy he is. He, he calls people up in their time of need. He made so many people feel so special in his own simple ways. Loving acts do matter, whether big or small, as long as it is personal. Great acts of love are easily recognized, but really, it's the small things that matter. I remember seeing some testimonials online about Father Michael. It's Brother Mike Vinyas, builder in Feast Alabang. He said, Kala ko close kami. Yun pala, close kasalahat. <laughs> I remember in the Feast Mall of Asia, he'd go to many ministry meetings, the big and the small groups, not being a VIP, but really just being one with us, giving so much value and directions. But also, there are times that he would just spend time with us, eat with us, even with no agenda. I remember Joanna, one of our feasters, she said, that was a two-minute call with Father Michael LaGuardia that changed the course of her life. And we asked what happened. Father Michael was about to give, you know, to celebrate the Eucharist, a mass celebration in five, less than five minutes. But Father Michael called her up because Father Michael knew that Joanna's dad was dying in the hospital at that time. And he called to comfort, to give spiritual support. And Joanna said that was enough to keep her faith in the Lord. It was like Jesus talking to her, even for just two minutes. Do you have two minutes, my friends? It could alter and change the lives of others and our own personal lives because love is personal. It got so personal with us, Father Michael and I, and my, our family. There was this middle of the night. Maya and I went this place because we, we had a fight and he helped Maya and I in our marriage. He said, fight for each other. Instead, fight each other. I remember how he would give gifts to Haley and Hosea, our daughter and our son. He would give Mickey Mouse toys to Haley and Hosea. I knew it was part of his personal Mickey Mouse collection. That's how personal Father Michael gets. Love is not a convenience. Love is a commitment. We allow the people we love, the constant permission to bother us, to burden us, to invade our world. And come to think of it, it is in these times that we prove our love to each other. When the going gets tough, our personal love toughens us up. We're better together. Father Michael would say, Sus, anong bother o burden? 
wala sa vocabulary ko yan with the people I consider family. We are His family too. Father Michael was so personal with the feast. Minahal na tayo ng buong-buo. Embrace the role of a shepherd caring for the flock. Feed my sheep, he always says. He knows each sheep that is close to him. Ano yung life story mo? He starts with that. That conversation, if someone is coming into him and, and, and wants some spiritual direction, he is genuinely interested in each one of us. He listens to struggles, wishes, prayers, sins. And even in his last days, he thinks of us. And I brought him to the ER of the hospital. I said, Father Michael, personal na ito. I need to bring you to the hospital if you don't want to let anyone else know. And he said, yes, finally. And I told him to get ready, prepare his personal belongings for a possible prolonged hospitalization. And when I got to his place, he was breathless. And he only brought a small backpack. And what I got to see was inside is his laptop and charger. <laughs> he still planned to do modules, formation programs, classes preparing. He was thinking of others. That's how personal he is to his commitments. I had a personal relationship with Father Michael. He was my confessor and my confidant. Mai, my wife, trusts him more than anyone else, but hopefully except me. He was the priest who baptized Hosea, my son, and he was Ninam at the same time. He jokingly says to us, the decision na na naman ang buhay ko, panghabang buhay na ito. <laughs> and he lived up to his words. Many rose in the feast, but he's so personal to his sheep. Love is two ways. It's not just one-sided. Happy to share to you that Father Michael opened up with us. He shared his life stories, his wants, his wishes, things that irritate him, <laughs> his innermost desires. Number one, he would always think of his mom and his sister. He would tell us stories about their family and his dad, how he wrestled with his, with God because of the sickness of his dad at that time. And he trusted God. And he continued on serving as God's priest. He had a, he had a goal by next year. He wanted to get vaccinated with vaccines uh, that is honored in Europe because he said there is a player there is a play in Germany Uber America passion play it only happens every 10 years and 2020 was already canceled it was supposed to be happening on 2022 
he was looking forward to go to that place and catch that because he said if I pass this up I'll be a senior already when he gets to do it again in the next 10 years his favorite food is crispy pata he would love it spaghetti nahiwala yung sauce and cheese he loves chocolate cake when he gives gifts he personally writes the letter with his beautiful handwriting you know he loves you because you can really see how he packaged it so well and he wrote so well you know that he took a lot of time to write it and the message he put inside that gift is so meaningful it is the gift itself he thinks of you so much before he gives he gives the gifts he doesn't like the feast so much before he thought that the feast at that time is leading people away from the parishes where they should be one time he was about to preside the mass and they were at the back of the PACC hall waiting to start he talked to some attendees and asked where is your parish and all the people that he asked replied wala po father and that's when he realized that the feast is a safe place where the sheep without a shepherd can be led to Jesus and from then on he became personal to us he decided to commit to us not just to the ministerial organization but to each person that he gets to do ministry with i'm grateful we are grateful that there is a season in our lives that we had a chance to journey with Father Michael LaGuardia. He wants him to be called Father Michael, not Father Mike. <laughs> That's how personal he is to us. Now I know what it means when we say love is personal. John 15 verse 13 says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Father Michael, kundi pa ba naman pagmamahal ang tawag mo dyan? We miss you. We love you. We are changed by how you loved us personally. Be happy in heaven. Pray for us. It is now our turn to love personally. Love is pastoral and love is personal. Beautiful messages. Thank you, Brother Bo, Father Bob, and Brother Didoy for your messages today. Let me now give you the final one, all right? I hope that you're still there. Please write this down. Love is intentional. Love is intentional. I love that word, intentional. I want us now to put a little bit focus on the story of this woman who was bleeding for 12 long years, all right? I want you to picture her for a few moments because I would like to imagine that when this woman who had been bleeding for 12 long years heard that there was this miracle worker by the name of Jesus, he was passing through her town. I imagine that she probably left everything. You know, she dropped everything that she was holding. Iniwan niya yung labada niya. 
Iniwan niya yung, yung sinain niya, yung, yung, yung pinaplansya niya, yung tindahan niya, and, and she quickly rushed into the street to find Jesus. Now, Jesus was surrounded by a big entourage at that time. But you know what? Scripture says that she manages to push through that massive crowd, and then somehow she found herself close enough to Jesus. In fact, Mark chapter 5, verse 27 says this, She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. I wonder how many people are now finding out about Jesus and you heard about Jesus and he's here. Verse 28 says, For she thought to herself, If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And then immediately, the bleeding stopped after 12 long years. And, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Now Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, uh, Who touched my robe? And then his disciples said this to him. This is funny. Look at this crowd, Jesus. Look at them pressing around you. Somebody type in pressing. That's, that word's going to be important in a minute. Look at this crowd pressing around you, Jesus. How can you ask, who touched me? <laughs> Aren't you glad that Jesus is not insensitive like you and me? You know, he's not like that crush that you have who scene zones you every single time you message him or you message her as though you never existed. Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that Jesus sees me and that he feels me. But let me, let me explain this, all right? The disciples could not understand why Jesus even had to ask who touched him. But that's because they did not know the difference between pressing and touching. So many people were pressing on Jesus. That's a fact. That's what the Bible said. They might have been, you know, rubbing elbows with him, grazing his garment, and they could might they, they probably felt his presence. But it wasn't until this woman touched him that he felt the power go out from him. A famous theologian by the name of Augustine said this, that flesh presses, but faith touches. That's beautiful. I want you to know that there is a huge difference between accidentally coming into contact with Jesus and intentionally reaching out to Jesus. What is the difference? It's called faith. See, someone who witnessed this miraculous healing of that woman could probably say, but you know, I also touched him. How come I wasn't healed? Somebody watching this live stream right now could say, you know, I've been praying to God. I did the novena. I did the readings. I prayed the scriptures. But how come I haven't received that miracle? Listen to me. You can bump into Jesus week after week, but it won't be as powerful as when you intentionally reach out to him in faith. The woman didn't even have to touch the skin of Jesus. She knew that she only needed to touch the robe to be healed. Yes, that might have been considered superstitious, but Jesus still honored her with a miracle, all because of the intention of her faith. Her intentional faith is what healed her. If you can be intentional with your faith this week and then stretch your hand out to Jesus, you don't have to see him. But if you can believe in your heart that he's there listening and looking at you, I believe that's the, that, that's the kind of faith that will produce miracles. Can I get an amen from somebody? Jesus said this in verse 34. Jesus says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. 
You know, I love the fact that Jesus was so intentional about loving this unclean woman. And I'll tell you why in a moment. But she must have been so embarrassed, right? Because that's how unclean people were back then. They were embarrassed to be seen in public by people because they believed that they were considered cursed and forsaken by God. So they didn't want want to be seen by others. But, you know, Jesus somehow intentionally calls out this woman from, from the crowd, much to her horror. I mean, imagine this. Here she was trying her best not to make a commotion, secretly trying to make her way towards Jesus, you know, not wanting the attention, you know, just like those FB stalkers that you have who clear their browser history every time they visit your profile page so that nobody will find out that they've been checking out your photos for the last 15 years. (laughs) But so Jesus, for some reason, he calls her out from out of the big crowd. And so now this unclean woman was now out in the open for the world to see. Now, why did Jesus do that? Why did he need to call her out like that? I mean, he could have secretly healed her, but he chose not to. Instead, he posts it all over Twitter. Now, why? Let me repeat it. Because love is intentional. Love is intentional, my friend. Jesus wanted to intentionally teach the crowd and also teach the woman something. Now, let me give you the lessons. First, he wanted to tell everyone that even the most unclean person deserved to be loved. Even the most unlovable person in this world, guess what? They're also special in the eyes of God. Yes, even that chismosa neighbor of yours in that barangay, even that philandering politician that you hate looking at, even that cheating spouse of yours that you don't like thinking about, guess what? They're special in the eyes of the Lord and God wants to save everyone, even if it means saving you from yourself. So if you have been feeling insecure lately, God wants you to know that you are intentionally loved. That's right. You are worthy. You are special in His eyes. Come on, declare, I am loved if you believe that. Amen. Second, I believe that Jesus wanted everyone to know that you are intentionally blessed. Jesus called out the woman from the crowd even as she secretly touched him to be healed. Now, why is that? Because Jesus didn't want her to think that this woman stole a blessing from him. Think about that. If Jesus didn't stop and call her attention to it, you know, that woman might think that that's how God blesses us, that we can somehow manipulate God into blessing us. But that's never the case, right? Because God's love is intentional. Jesus intentionally called that woman daughter, as a matter of fact. And you know, he doesn't use that term very often. It was a special term of endearment, a gesture of tenderness from Jesus. And he did it intentionally because he wanted us to know that when Jesus calls you out in the crowd, it's not because he wants to harm you. It's not because he wants to embarrass you, but it's because he has something special for you. Because when God blesses you, it's because he wants to. It's because he loves you. You are intentionally loved and you are intentionally blessed. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Let me try and close this session by putting everything that we have learned today. And then we are going to respond to the Lord through worship. So please don't leave my friend. All right. While all of this was happening with a woman, you know, the the woman distracting Jesus and, and delaying Jesus. Let's not forget that Jarius, the synagogue leader, that's right, was waiting on Jesus to go to his house to heal his daughter, the sick daughter, right? We might forget that there was Jairus on the other side. It must have been torture for him to see Jesus heal this woman 
while his daughter suffered at home. And I say this because, you know, to those who God is presently healing, God is quick. But to those who, who, who are waiting for something, God is slow. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That God seems quick when you're receiving the blessing, but God seems slow when you're waiting on a blessing. But I say God is always right on time. God is always on the way. Praise God for that. You know, when you're waiting on a blessing, it feels like forever, doesn't it? I want you to remember this, that when you're waiting on a blessing, that Jesus is pastoral. That's right. In our waiting, he's teaching us something. In our waiting, he's actually working. Remember in your waiting that, that Jesus is also personal. That's what Didoy said. He, he knows us from the inside out and he knows what we're struggling with. And he has the compassion to suffer and wait with us. But best of all, remember that Jesus is intentional. Nothing that he does is accidental because he's moved by purpose and mission. He intentionally chose to go to Jairus' house and he intentionally entertained the delay caused by this woman. Now, Brother Bo said earlier about Father Michael wanting to visit him because, you know, he was on the way. I love that. Even when the truth was actually far from that, that was the opposite because Paranaque is not on the way to Mandaluyong. It's actually, you know, out of the way, geographically speaking, right? But because Father Michael's love was so intentional, Brother Bo was on the way. Let me preach this as clear as I can. Loving the unlovable is not the easiest route. How many of you agree with me? It's not the easiest route to take, right? Carrying your cross is not the most convenient mission to make. Forgiving someone who hurt you again and again is not the most ideal path to take. And trading heaven for a slice of suffering on earth is probably the worst choice you could ever make. But guess what? Jesus chose all that. Why? Because you and I are on the way. I mean, too many times when someone asks us to do something and it's not convenient for us, like that one time that your parent asked you to do that one important thing, that important errand, and you were, you know, you were in the middle of a good movie. Or that one time when your spouse asked you to fetch her, but you wanted to relax in bed. Or that time when your friend needed a friend and you wanted to prioritize, you know, some, some matters of great consequence. You were like, hassle na money. Sobrang hassle. But you know what? Here's the truth. When you love someone, you know, you would be willing to go the farthest distance. How many of you can say amen to that? When you love someone, you would be willing to cross even the most inconvenient paths. You would be willing to go out of your way in order to serve that person that you love, right? Because that's what love does. Love is intentional. Love is sacrificial. Love goes out of the way. Jesus went out of his way to heal the daughter of Jairus. He went out of his way to heal that bleeding woman. And think about this. God went out of his way in order to be with you and me. And Jesus calls us to do the same, my dear friend, to intentionally go out of our way to feed the hungry, to deliberately go out of our way to look for the lost, to, to go out of our way to heal the broken. So let's get out of our ego Let's get our ego out of the way. Let's get our past hurts out of the way. Let's get jealousy out of the way. Let's get our selfish agendas out of the way. And let's get love in the way. Let's get, go out 
of our way to tell people that you are on the way. Love is on the way. Somebody say amen. You are on the way. Jesus says to somebody today, you're on the way. Even though you are far, you're on the way. You're always on the way. Let's pray, everybody, as we respond to God's message today. I want you to bow down your heads, close your eyes, and then receive the anointing and the blessing of God right this moment. Father in heaven, we thank you for this message. And we thank you that you are readily available, oh God, that you are, are pastoral and you are personal, but you're also intentional. But right now we are deliberately approaching your throne so that we can respond to you in worship, Lord. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.